Ansel with HJ Sports, and today we're going to go over our new sites within the Tetra line for 2022. So new for 2022, we actually came out with a new way to mount your scope housing to the infinite adjust bracket. No longer do you have to worry about your vertical adjustments uh, intertwining with the second axis adjustments. So as you'll see on the scope housing, uh, there's actually an additional brick. You can either mount that to the inside of the riser or to the outside of the riser. We recommend that for most traditional bows, you mount that to the inside of the riser and for any sort of sight that you're gonna mount in line with the bow to use the outside. Just flip that around um, and mount it to the outside of the riser. So within each of the product categories, we have the Tetra Max, the Tetra, and then the Tetra LT. As always, our Tetra line of sights come in four different scope housing size options, an inch and three eighths, an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarters, and then also our four pin housing, which is an inch and three quarters. We also offer a 10 thousandths pin and a 19 thousandths pin for both single pin and four pin options. On the Tetra itself, we once again have micro adjustments as well as your macro gain adjustments for left and right. For your vertical adjustments on your Tetra bow sight, you'll want to use the screw right here on the infinite adjust rail and the screw below that. You'll just loosen those and slide it up and down. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the integrated scope ring that has a built-in level. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the ability to take a 2500 blue burst light. This is an added on accessory, but you can actually put that on there to add light to your pin or to reduce light. With that, we also have mechanical rheostat, which is an exclusive feature to HHA on the Tetra line. You'll be able to turn in the rheostat if you want to dim the light, and then you'll also be able to turn it out if you want to let more light in. Also on our 2022 Tetra line bow sights, the Tetra comes in either a fixed frame, our Hunter Edition frame, or it comes on a four to eight inch adjustable dovetail. All HHA products are 100% made and sourced in the USA, and they carry a 100% lifetime warranty. For any more questions, please visit our website at www.hjsports.com. Hello, we're at the BATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we use with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. 
Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. Likewise. All right, cool. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to... uh begin the uh, my intro hero fast so thank you for tuning in to another episode of bucks of america podcast i am your host jeff vance tonight's guest is another podcaster oddly enough i've it's kind of strange that i've had two of them back to back now this, i have um levi nave on the line here and he is the podcast host of in god we trust and he talks about he actually does weekly or excuse me uh readings every weekday and then you can always check out his newest recordings on pretty much every platform that's available out there. So Neil Levi reached out to me and he wanted to collaborate. And I said, let's sure, let's go ahead and do this. So uh, we both have the one common, we have two things in common. We have we, our, our love for our Jesus Christ, our Lord, and we also have uh, our hunting in common. So Levi, why don't you tell us about, tell Mike about yourself, sir. Well, a little background on me is uh, I grew up in a small town, uh, Gilmore City. I actually went to the Humboldt, and that is right north of Fort Dodge, about 15 miles for anyone that's listening locally. And I, I do know that you're from Boone, right? Or around No, there? I am from Osage, Iowa. So, Osage, I'm, uh, okay. so I'm, I'm northeast of you, but I've been to Fort okay. Dodge. Okay, yep. So yeah, I, I went to high school at Humboldt. Uh, I'm going to DMAC right now, and I'm just in college right now. So that's just uh, a little bit about me. But a little bit about my podcast is I read a chapter of the Bible, and I try to break it down to you and uh, explain what God is saying to us and try to to teach people how real God really is and how he can work through your life and how he can change your life and really just how he can impact you. That is a valid point there. I, I was in preparation for my podcast. I found a really something that really struck a chord with me regarding atheism and such. And the way that the pastor breaks it down is just um, fantastic. And uh, I will I like to play a little I like to play that clip real fast. It's not very long, but I think it would be very enlightening for both of us. I think you'll like the uh, the uh, sentiment too. It's only about forty five seconds long. I actually think it's scientifically impossible to be an atheist. Atheists make the emphatic statement, there is no God. Now, agnostics make the statement, I don't know if there's a God. You can be an agnostic, but not an atheist. Let me tell you why. Agnostic comes from the Greek word gnosko, which means knowledge to know. Ad would be the antithesis of that statement, meaning I don't know. So you can say, I don't know if there's a God, but you can't say there is no God because you would have to possess all knowledge. And scientists say the smartest human that has ever lived or is living possesses about two percent of all knowledge so in the 98 percent of knowledge you don't possess is there a chance that god exists isn't that pretty profound yeah yeah atheists atheists have no real debate about if there's a god or not because they consciously know that there is one because i i guess i don't know that for sure but i just feel like everyone consciously knows there is a god do you see what I'm saying? Yes. 
I think it comes to correlation with our uh, pineal gland. Uh, it's kind of with the spirit molecule and such, like opening up our third eye. I've noticed that as as the more spiritual people I've met, is usually they have um, a very um, flowing information of when they how they embody the spirit, and it was something that's always been passed down, even all the way from the Egyptians all the way up until today. And I've noticed that there's certain chemicals out there that they're induced to help calcify the pineal or pineal gland, and by because of that, it kind of shuts down the spirituality, kind of like what we have this more this unique just uh, this our current society the way it is because we no longer have the same connection like we used to because of the most recent induction of all these different chemicals that we get washed down in our, in our uh, uh, public drinking water and such. It kind of affects our mind in a way. And uh, I've noticed that with like listening to the Indians, like the um, from India, they discussed that if you use like turmeric and uh, black pepper, if you put the two together, the chemical reaction actually helps break down the calcification of it to help reignite that spirituality. And I started taking it here a few months ago and I, my dreams have become very, very vivid, and it's been eye-opening about how emotionally connected I've become over over how things have changed from years past until now. And I think it's a something that I do recommend for those to try out if you if you feel like you're you're losing that connection. Speaking on dreams, uh, so in the Bible, they there's multiple times where God comes to them in a dream, so. I have definitely had some crazy dreams in my life, but so do you think that is like God talking to us is through dreams like all the time? Because I've definitely had some crazy dreams. I think it allows, I think that's his way of way of getting into our minds to be able to have that conversation because if we're awake, we're going to have distractions. And I think that's his way of making sure that he, he has, has our complete attention and it allows us basically to grab our hand and walk us through the garden of Eden in a sense, but kind of have that one-on-one kind of connection with him to allow you two to have us to have that conversation back and forth. I think that's why a lot of our incantations and, and a lot of our stories develop from dreams that they have this unrealistic thing, but then as time progresses, the you start seeing these like almost like deja vu kind of like you want like a glitch in the matrix but it's like it almost kind of backs up what you wanted to what, what you were going to expect it so it's like that conversation you may not remember all the details but all of a sudden you're seeing these pieces of imageries that all of a sudden like you create this flashback back to a conversation that that was real that that it's like and it just all these um turn of events come true and it's like that's where it gives you that's that um confidence that hey this is meant to happen yeah yeah when i think about uh like deja vu and like it makes me think of like when i was a little kid it's just really weird because i have these like flashbacks of when i was a kid and like these vivid memories and i i still think of them like i can imagine them and everything about them but there's a there's so many things in my childhood that i just do not remember so do you think that god has purposefully well he he probably has but what do you think about how our minds are and our memory loss and how the things and about the things that we do remember that's a difficult question to answer right there because depending on who you speak to some people say that was it's a defense mechanism or some people would think that is just a memory that's being oppressed or suppressed by something or it's a a past life that the the right 
interaction hasn't caused it to waken up yet. So it's a very deep question to really try to get to the bottom of. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there's probably psychologists out that are in priests that are still trying to figure out that correlation with past lives and stuff like that. It's, um, it's very interesting to see. And it's like, I think with the, with a person like eating a very clean diet, like trying to avoid sodas and and anything that could cloud the mind, uh, it could really, Oh, how you may have an opportunity to see more things that others may not see. I noticed that if I don't drink soda, my mind becomes clear, but then there's also studies that show that if you drink carbonated sodas and such like that, it actually affects the memory and the memory call in the brain. I feel like I'm foggy right now because I've had a couple of sodas and it's like, I don't like the way my mind is functioning right now. I don't, I'm not able to uh, string along a string of words the way I want to normally are, would uh, articulate. Yeah, and when you uh, speak of clouding your mind, I think of like people that actively like uh, vape, smoke, or drink. That is the ultimate clouding your mind. When you when you actually are, like addicted to nicotine, it is a it's definitely a a complete cloud of your mind. And I've I've experienced that, and I know when I was off nicotine, I feel like I just I just. I think completely differently and it's not like I was on it incredibly hard, but it, I can just tell the difference. Have you ever experienced that? See, I've never smoked uh, cigarettes because my uh, growing up, my parents were both uh, two, one to two packs a day type folks back in the growing up in the eighties and nineties. So, oh, wow. cause it's like, I grew, I still grew up in Iowa and we could still smoke inside a building. And it wasn't until the mid nineties when they started, when they started taking our, our liberties away and stopping that. Cause it's like, when you, when you notice, when you start seeing stuff being taken away, that's when you, you start losing your own, your own visual individual freedom. Cause it's like some of the stuff is identity, but I never really smoked. I never, I, I shouldn't say never really, but it's like, I do like cigars, but it's like I, in the past several years, I don't smoke cigars anymore, but it's like, I, I don't, I never smoked nicotine often enough to actually have any mental uh, fog to, to, so okay. I'd say it gets tough for me to relate to that. Now, when it comes down to alcohol, uh, I don't know. It's like, I do like my spirits, but I don't drink very often. I try to, I, it's like, as you get older, you recognize that your body doesn't heal as fast and, and you have more responsibilities. You, your, your time that you want to spend in the now is more valuable than it was in your twenties than they are when you get close to 40, 50, 60 and so on and so forth. So your, your point of view tends to change. And it's like, if you don't evolve like that, you, you can kind of re- put yourself in pause. I, I've had conversations where people where it's you want them to to really expand their mind their lives and such and i'm going on up on a tangent here so i'm not i'm not going to continue going down an avenue but i want to maintain that conversation about the nicotine i you know i've seen ups and downs with nicotine like not myself but reviewing that and seeing that in people like watching those who quit the mental clarity that they receive their their priorities change their they become more driven more focused because I have a friend of mine, she just hit like a hundred some days of being smoke free, and she is now maintaining consistent schedule. She has a great work life balance. Her kids are actually doing much better in school and at home because it's like she's not chasing that nicotine fix. She's able to now take that 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 fix, that addiction that she had, and put it into something um, productive instead of constructive. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
that's I 100% uh, have experienced that as well. Um, I just have found myself a lot more productive, and uh, it's it's from high school. It was just such a like common thing, and I don't know. I thought it was like cool back in the day or something to just vape or something, but and then I got off to college, and college just has this reputation of uh, oh, we're in college, you know, uh, let's go do whatever. So I just was in a bad, bad habit of like drinking and uh, vaping, and then I just I just was like, all right, this I know this is pointless. There's literally no point to any of this at all so why don't I actually just stop clear my mind and see what I can do and then I can just tell that God finally not God finally God was with me all times but I finally came to God and said I don't know what to do I know that you can do good things through me so what should I do and he gave me this idea to do this podcast so that's where I am now and I can definitely tell the big difference in that that is that is that is a great um, assessment of your experience of just changing because you're I, I, my college was almost twenty years ago now so it's like when when we're, the thing is that the, when I experienced it and when you experience it now nothing's changed if that freedom is 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 newfound and it exp- happens with all young adults and such where they where they're no longer need the parents rule where you where you actually have structure and discipline now it's like hopefully what they instructed you over those course of years if you came from a two parent or a single parent home hang up, uh, uh, home it's going to actually be a culmination of how successful you are from that point forward. Cause if you had that kind of strict discipline, you're going to see your, you're going to, you're going to see yourself falling away. You're going to be less driven. You're not going to be motivated because you're not used to having somebody tell you to do. And that's where you have to rely on your, your strengths. Now for those, like I had a very unique upbringing. Cause it's like my, both my parents were separated at, a, at an early age, but they, they all gave us the ability to choose our paths and stuff like that. And that came with its own responsibilities and consequences. Now, what I mean by responsibilities is that it's like I had to, if I wanted to have a vehicle, I had to pay for my insurance. I had to pay for gas. So that, so that required a certain amount of discipline. That's like, I need to have X dollars in a month to pay for this. And then it's like also making sure to go to work on time and stuff like that to maintain my, my habits. Now, or by my freedoms, I should say. Now, the consequences of it and stuff like that, if you don't work, you you lose these these freedoms, these structures, and these abilities and such. And, um, you know, you your your habits are developed from your parents. And if your parents don't still, still good things, like they don't teach you about finance or um, the consequences of not paying bills on time, you can run into a very rough 30s, a rough patch in your 30s trying to rebuild your credit to get where you are. Luckily for me, I just, my dad was always very well-grounded in the South. He was always very well-disciplined, you know, getting up at four o'clock in the morning, getting to work on time, coming home and taking care of business. And then my, on my mom's side, it was a little bit more different. She was always working. And then it was all up to us to maintain, to getting everything all organized and being the oldest in the household. You have a different perspective on how to overview everybody. Cause it's like, I had uh, three younger siblings next to myself. So making sure that everybody's home fed and then like kind of like having that, it's like you needed to have that kind of balance to uh, understanding uh, time and how everything needs to fit into that time between when you get home from school and when you go to bed. Yeah. I am the youngest of three older siblings. And so we, we are on different sides of the, the spectrum here, but I'm sure that we both have You've learned a lot on taking care of them, and I have learned a lot on 
watching them and what they do to take care of me and the lessons that I have learned from them, what to and what not to do. So that's that's a big thing that I have learned from growing up with three siblings. That is a good aspect. Now, now have you noticed like what, what can yourself as being the youngest of them, what have, what are some of the things that you can do that you can provide for them that, that is different from what they provided to you? Ooh, that's, that's a tricky question, but I feel like I, I definitely grew up, uh, definitely differently from the oldest two and that's because my parents were were a lot more strict and um it, it was their first two kids so i'm i can't blame them i mean a parent what do you really know what to do at first but i feel like my parents really uh started to learn uh how to take care of their children well they got a lot i don't know how to say this because I don't want to make it sound like they're bad parents. They're amazing parents. They did a great job raising us, but they definitely learned a lot as they went down the ladder. So I feel like I was taught a lot of things and I feel like they could, they could learn some things from me, but I don't know. It, it's hard to say. It's a tough question. It, it, it very is. Cause now it's like, now I'm in a parental role and stuff like and, and such. So it's like looking at how they helped me out and what to do. Cause when, when there isn't, there is no instruction manual for raising kids. It's like the first, first few years are pretty easy. You just make sure it doesn't die. You just feed it, you clothe it, you make sure you change yeah. all the diapers. All it's just as they progress and the, as they get older and it's like figuring out what you need to incorporate in life, what's going to provide that value to them, but also like not bringing your own childhood, um, memories to and and your own struggles like that because like there's been there's stuff that i've, I've seen myself co- say stuff that is like this is not something that i should be doing because it caused me x so it's like you have to heal yourself from inside so this way you don't pass down your own resentments from your previous parents or from your from your parents or from your your interactions with your siblings so that is a, a big thing that really takes a priority in the parent's life because it's like you do not want to put your regrets into them. You do not want to put your past transgressions into them because that's negativity. It's a negative um, impact for them. And what I found with with the Lord is that I'm able to focus my like analyze what's going to come out before I say something because I don't want a, an experience to get triggered in my mind that I went through with my mom, my stepdad, or my father. I want my daughter to have a more of a well-balanced, well, uh, well-balanced individual, not as a parent, but as an individual, because I'm also human too. I'm not perfect by any means, but I want to let her know where I'm coming from is, is a good place because it's like, you're going to be in my shoes someday. And I don't want you to build resentment towards something that I said to you now. And at being at, she's only eight years, she's eight years old. So it's a very um, impactful time. I mean, from five until, till the end of time, it's so they're, they're they absorb so much information and a lot of it comes through nonverbal too as well. So it's like having a, having yourself like looking at yourself in, in a, in a magnifying glass can allow you to, it's a, it's a tough point of view to be in because you don't want to belittle them, but you also want to encourage them. And so you, it just, it's just a unique balance because you, you could see them, but one thing you want to do is you want to allow them 
to experience things. And if they're doing dangerous things safely, you, you just got to allow them to walk through that. It's like kind of climbing on jungle jib. You know, when they're climbing through the monkey bars, they can fall down, they can hurt themselves. But if they're doing it carefully, they're learning, they're paying attention to their limits. So all you can really do is be reactionary because you don't want them to, in the future, not take a leap of faith. Cause that's essentially what they're doing. They're, they're trying something that they don't know if they can accomplish it. And if I step in and tell them, don't do that, it's going to, it's going to satisfy my nerves, but it's not, it's going to stunt their growth because as they're swinging, they're learning how to channel that momentum move from one monkey bar to the next monkey bar. If I jump in there, it's going to shut all that stuff down. So it's like, all I can really do is like, Hey, just advise just to, Hey, be, like focus what you're doing. So this way, then you don't have any side distractions where something could happen to them. So it's just like, it's all you can really do as a parent is like, just have them focus on that one task and not be distracted. And I think that as, as a person grows, that could help them out. So this way, then if they're finding their niche or their passion, their true love, then they they can filter out all the other distractions. Yeah, that, that sounds like a great thing. And uh, I, it's nice to hear that you have that, that mentality of just letting them do letting them learn on their own. And I think that is, that's a great thing for people to people to do is just let their children actually learn through life experiences and not have their parent come in and not like baby them, but I kind of baby them and just, and just let them go through those tough things because it, in reality, bad things are going to happen. Like uh, they're going to fall, they're going to get hurt but they're going to learn from that and that'll better them in the future and that'll really help them grow. But with God, I, I know I will be able to keep uh, a conscious mind of what to do when having children. So that's, that's one thing on, that's one thing I'm very thankful for is that I actually found that relationship with God. And I know that if anything does happen, that it happens for a reason and I can I can be able to handle any situation that comes through me when when I'm dealing with my kids or, or in my marriage I just know that it's all part of God's plan and he's he's doing that to make me stronger so I can just trust on him now Levi are you married by chance are you in, are you courting somebody right now no I I'm I have a girlfriend it's actually almost our three-year anniversary uh February Fourteenth uh, is that Valentine's Day? Yeah, it's Valentine's Day. It happens yeah. to fall on a Monday, but it's like yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yep. We've been married for three. Not married. My bad. Well, basically <laughs> married. Uh, we've been dating for three years, and yeah, it's been pretty cool. Uh, we'll see where it goes. Now, with you, so did you guys meet in high school or or in college? Uh, we met in high school. Um, so I went to Humboldt. Uh, fifth grade was my first year in fifth in Humboldt, and her first year was seventh grade. So I met her in seventh grade, and we started dating sophomore year, around there. Yep. Excellent. And so, this being an outdoor podcast, how did she did did she grow up? in a sportsman uh, environment where her, her family, whether it be mom or dad or aunts and uncles, did they go out and hunt and fish too? No, uh-uh. I, I would not say that, but, but I, she doesn't have a problem with it. And she's been with me hunting a few times and she went with me this year, actually, when I, 
I just shot a doe this year because it was getting late in the season with muzzleloader and it actually had a little bit of a limp. So I was like, well, if I'm going to shoot a doe, I might as well shoot this one. So yeah, she was with me when that happened. And so how was her initial reaction to it? Uh, I don't know. The, the typical like girl thing, like, oh, oh. but uh, uh-huh. she she doesn't really mind that much. That is interesting because it's like I've been around females that I've dated with ladies that were hunting was not part of their 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 culture growing up and stuff. They didn't have any aunts or uncles or or dad or mom um, hunt or fish. So it's like it was an interesting concept, like introducing them because it's like I like to go out in the middle of the woods for eight to twelve hours by myself. And so it's like for them, it's like it was, it was a new concept to grasp on there because now it's like, well, how am I going to balance? How am I going to do that? Because as a sportsman, there's a lot of factors in why we like being outside. And, and that's finding the right right mate would really help you flourish because outdoors for a man that, that has that connection with the land and with God, it, it's, it's a great synchronicity between everything with the mind, body, and soul because when you're out hunting, you you can remove all distractions, just focus on what's going on out there. I know I've I've had I've had some of the worst news delivered to me when I was out in the woods. Like my like last year, my grandma passed away. She's suffering from Alzheimer's. But when I received the news, I was out in the middle of nowhere with just enough service to receive an, a text message saying X happened, and it was the right place for it because I was able to digest what just had happened and comprehend everything and just spend the rest of the day out there. And it's like not really hunting, but admiring and appreciating what goes on and what was happening around me. And it was, it was a profound moment because I had deer walk out. They were probably, I don't know, a hundred some yards away. I primarily bow hunt. So it's like, there's no way I'm going to shoot that far away, but it was just being able to step back out of the hunter's perspective, but just appreciate being in the now. Yeah. Yeah. There is a, there is a certain feeling you get when you're hunting. Like it really just makes you appreciate the opportunity that you have at that moment because I like a bunch of city people, they just don't even, they just don't even know what it's like to just be out in the woods alone and, and just, and just have like a deer walk right by you and you're just sitting so still, they don't even see you. So there's just a certain feeling about that, that, that not a whole lot of people get to, get to encounter but i hope that they do someday and it's it's an awesome feeling for sure no i can i I like to applaud you for maintaining that discipline to be able to balance high school a girl or excuse me college a girlfriend and hunting because a lot of college age men are focused either only on the girls only on school or they're screwing around just focusing on hunting because it's like there's there's uh, a popular a podcast host, but activist himself, Randy Newberg. And he mentioned several times on his podcast that he's failed out of school because he was focusing too much on hunting instead of focusing wow. on his schooling. But, uh, you know, it's just amazing, but it's like his passion still managed to go through it. And, uh, one of his words of wisdom is that it's like, if you're going to go out hunting and doing something, always add like an extra, like $2,000 buffer, because the way he explained it to, cause he's been married for 30 some odd years is that if he wants to go on an elk hunt, well, she, there needs to be a balance. Like, so it's like, if she wants a new love seat and couch, that is something that you have to budget in as a, as a husband. So this way it's like, sorry. Yeah. It just cut out there. Good old zoom. That's all right. 
it crashed on me too. It's like, what the heck is like, this happened to me in my last podcast too. It crashed yeah. on me. I don't, I don't know what's going on with zoom, but it seems like as, as it's more and more people utilize their, their services, zoom just seems to like randomly crash. And I was like, I do my podcast at yeah. night because most of the, a lot of people that use it are done working for the day. Yeah. Like, especially when they have like 20, 30 people in one room, but yeah, it's getting back to Randy Newberg is that it was one thing that he one thing he, stre- he stressed in, in in his relationships is having a balance and making sure that not only your needs are met but her needs are met too in her own specific way. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I gotta admit I'm definitely not getting out there as much as I I should, but I'm trying to when I can. But yeah, it I I really hope that I can get in the groove of going more, but I do try to go and. I do have a lot of fun doing it, but I've never thought about that with balancing, balancing that with my girlfriend. So I'll have to think about that. But I have realized when, when I do like a little surprise thing for her, then she usually does something for me. So then I, it balances out. So, I mean, it, it makes me feel good. So I guess I'll have to think about that more. Yeah. It's something like I got lucky. My wife likes to hunt too. I mean, she's got her own bow. She's got her own rifle. She's got her own pistol. So it's like, so it's like us going out hunting. It's like, it's perfect. I married my hunting partner. I just got lucky with that. That's where she'd like to do. It's like, she wanted to do it. She grew up in hunting culture in um, South central, central Illinois, being out, out there watching her dad harvest deer, her grandpa, I mean, both of them still hunt to this day and such. So the, she's always been around it. So that, that is a unique thing of a smaller town girl, but we were both raised in rural communities in Iowa and Illinois, but we met in Illinois and Wisconsin here. So the rest is history. So it is, it's nice, but she also likes her alone time. There'll be times where it's like, it's, it's four o'clock in the morning and it's like, ah, do you want to go hunting? It's like, no, you can. It's like, all right, it's fine. Then she done uh, now for that day, for the next several hours, that day is hers. She gets to do whatever she wants, but it's like having, she's very um, emotionally, she has, she's um, emotionally, emotionally independent. And that is something that I learned from Jocko Link. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he has the Jocko podcast, wrote a couple of things, but he's a Navy SEAL. He's got four, three or three or four kids and a lot of their growing up. He was on deployment because this was all during um, 2000 till when he re- finally retired. And as a, as a, uh, um, as a trainer and stuff like that. It's like he, his wife is somebody to be able to manage all the kids while he's on deployment for 14 to 18 months, maybe less. He's special forces. So it's like his, his assignments may not be nearly as long, but he's going to be have more assignments than normal. But to having that, that type of strength to be able to allow him to go do that stuff is remarkable. And that's something that you got to look for in, um, in women, because I've noticed this is that as, as a person from a divorced household is that, and also reflecting on this is that our parents don't teach us how to be husbands and wives. They teach us how to be good parents, but not husbands and wives. And I think that is a, that falls on deaf ears because with the industrialization of, um, bigger cities and people having two income, uh, having two parents working, we lose that dynamic because all we see is our parents between their eight hour shift and they go to bed and it seems to, it seems to fall apart. And it's something we have to, as adults have to pay attention or continually in, uh, crave knowledge on it, using the Bible as influence, but also using our, um, other senses to learn more from other folks on what they do and do not do. Yeah. The, I feel like people could really, 
any problem they have could just go towards the Bible and it will, it really will answer any problem you ever have. And I, I'm definitely going to be leaning on it my entire life. And that is how I will be able to keep a steady mind. And that is one thing on my girlfriend. I, I knew from the beginning that, that she was strong in the faith. And I knew that that was a, a good quality or well, a big quality for me. And that is, that is definitely a, a huge, uh, I don't know how to, what leaning point, uh, a huge factor in our relationship. And that's, that's one thing that I do appreciate of her. That's good. And so now does, does she participate in, in God we trust podcast? Yeah, she actually runs the Instagram account. She does the pictures uh, for it and schedules them. I, Oh, perfect. Yeah. She's doing a, she's doing a fantastic I know, job. She really is. It, it looks really professional. I give her the verses on like the Sunday and then she'll, schedule them for out uh, throughout the week and it just works out perfect that is great the nice thing is too is like uh when i was talking to um he, uh to, to from um with john last week it's that he also does stuff with um insta with tiktok and so do i too but i like taking and some of some of my best performing videos is just having the voice the the, the voice to text or text to voice feature on and just reading the Bible verse. You have to play around with it. You also got to uh, make sure you the, the verse you're giving and the, the, the background music is the right amount, the length of time. Otherwise it will cut off what you're trying to say, or you have to, you have to monkey with some things. There's this way. Then when you're able to reproduce that content, not only on one platform, but on another one. And it's amazing on how that works. It's like, I'll take content from TikTok. Re- put it into a reel on Instagram and all of a sudden it's four to 5,000 views on it, which is fantastic. And you're having a really creative picture with uh, your branding, it's kind of works hand in hand. And especially you, when you, when you, when I select a, a, a verse from the Bible, it's always at random or I'm, I'm looking for a theme. The nice thing is with today's technology, with it being, digitized you can put in influences like hey you put in a keyword search or you're putting in a feeling or or something surrounding a, a the notion you want to get to or something that i'm feeling at that moment i think i like this one i want to go with this and then this is how i'm relating right now and when it comes out it's like it's it's not for anybody else except for me and the person that's listening to it if it resonates for them then my selection did its job if it's just one person if you have a few thousand let's do it even better yeah uh-huh I haven't really been uh, active on TikTok, but one thing that I do want to do, uh, anyone listening, you will probably witness this here soon. I want to find someone that can sketch out uh, the things that I read. So then I'll post it on YouTube and TikTok. So then there'll be like little cartoons of when I'm talking and then I'll be like uh, just reading the story and then they'll just going out and going along with it. That would take some time and energy because I've seen people yeah. do it with Joe Rogan, and that it, it that is the whoever it does is just a fantastic because like there's multiple people that do it, and it takes them a lot of it takes them a long time just to do one episode because I I went to school for um, animation and it's no easy feat from whether it be 20 years ago to today they're still you're still trying to get the gestures down and getting the the volume the audio to sync up for what you're writing it takes a lot of back and forth and it's not an easy process so when you do put something like that in your mind you're going to want it to be 
like seven to 10 seconds, maybe 12 seconds at, mo at most, because this way they're going to be able to get it out quickly. Because otherwise, you, what you're talking about and when it comes out will be at two different states, st two different stages. Yeah, it's it's just a new thought that I God definitely gave it to me because it's a way to grow this. And I know I pray for him to to grow this. And uh, I I just think of ideas and ways that it can grow. And I know it's all from him. But that is just one idea that I had today in class. And I know it's going to take a lot of time, but I, once I get it down, I'm sure that I'll be able to get it to where I can get it efficiently. And because just like with a podcast, at first I was really busting it and busting it. But once I got into the groove, I was able to just figure out a few small things that could help a lot. And once you learn those, you're, you're just in the clear. So that really helps. Very true, because we both use Audacity for our editing software, and the best part about it, there's a lot of tutorials out there on how to maximize it and how to utilize it, which is great, because as, as any podcaster, if anybody's trying to move into a different aspect of creation, it's like finding a program that has a really good community around it to teach you how to use it, that's going to save you the most amount of time, where you can, you can go from zero to hero pretty quick. Or something that's pretty efficient. And I've been, I've, I have over uh, between, I used to have at one point in time, I was running three podcasts. Now I just have the one, oh, wow. but between everything, I have almost 200 episodes and I'm making it work. Yeah. That... Cause it's like it, everything, everything changes, everything changes really quickly. And then, and you, it, it's, it's fun to stay on top of it. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> that is, that is true. We both just found out uh, one thing to narrow down on and, we just need to stick to it. Uh, someone just knocked on my door. Do you hear that? Yeah, I did. Uh, it's fine. Uh, well, so what? What are we doing on time here? Uh, we're coming up on about I don't know thirty minutes or so. Thirty minutes. Okay. Um, I'm thinking so. I mean, we started at seven o'clock, but we are like to as a whole, we're at about an hour. But as uh, as recorded wise, we're probably right around that thirty thirty to forty minute range. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I, I do have something that's going on and, uh, would you like to just like have like five more minutes here? Sure. We can do that. Okay. I, did you write down some stuff that you wanted to ask me? I usually, I've been doing this long enough. I just kind of go, I feed off of my guest. And since you still have stuff prepared, I am, I'm all, I'm willing to work alongside you. Okay. I, I have not asked you a single question from my thing. So yeah, go for uh, it. Yeah, no, I, it's fine. I, they're, they were just conversation stars and I was hoping that we could just carry on those conversation and it worked out perfectly that we are. So I'm, I'm glad that that happened because the questions I wrote down are definitely dumb, but not actually. Okay. So, so one thing, uh, do you know the tradition of biting the heart or eating the heart? Do you know the background of that? You know, for as long as I've been doing podcasting, I never got in. Like, I can appreciate the cultural standing behind it, but I actually do not know the meaning behind it, except for being very spiritual for certain cultures around the country. Yeah, I, I was listening to yours today, and it was with, uh, I, I can't recall who it is. They bit the elk heart, the elk heart and yeah i i, I can't oh, that have been austin uh lester yep, yeah yep. yeah i can't remember if i have actually bitten one or just licked it but with a deer heart but i have definitely 
done one of the two. I, I think I'd remember if I bit it, but uh, I I think it's from the Indians, and the Indians are were definitely amazing hunters, and they had, I don't know, have you ever thought about how good the Indians were at hunting? Oh yeah, they're they were they were uh, had to evolve, especially with the growing tribes. The way, considering like the Navajo and the Gila and the Osage and how some and the Sioux, how massive some of these tribes have gotten. The ones who knew how to be a better hunter and gatherer really was able to to focus on developing other aspects, and then war being one of them. Okay, all right. So, so as there'd be bigger tribes, they would thrive through like. Well, you'd have to feed them, I guess. So that's, that's yeah. okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But I've never really and thought also about considering Indians. here. Keep, you're good. Go. Well, uh, what I was going to say is that you also got to consider here before the white man showed up, there was buffalo everywhere. There was elk all the way down to Florida. I mean, there was massive animals all around the world, all around the United States. So it's like being able to develop a thriving econ- economy essentially is where it was at. Cause if you've ever been down to the Navajo, that reservation, that, that whole area that the, that, that they once roamed is absolutely massive. We're talking hundreds of square miles, but then you get up to Wisconsin where you have multiple tribes, but because of the harsher climates and, and trying to get to like, cause a lot of well, most tribes are nomadic running across other tribes they had the language barrier or they just didn't like each other for some odd reason you know you'd run into that, that communication issue because but to also like ha- being in the, the right climate also allows you to grow faster too as well like a lot of the, the tribes up here they were small because of the land the cold and the tools they had to, to cultivate it because it's like you needed to figure out a way to cut down trees to open it up similar to with Iowa because Iowa was not what it looks like today I mean when the settlers came through and cut down hundreds of thousands of acres of trees to make land for one species of crops. So we, we, Iowa's surface was much different than it is today. Yeah. That, that is one thing that a lot of people don't think about is how different it really is because there used to be a lot of, uh, uh, is it wetlands, not wetlands, but, uh, like the puddles, the small puddles, not puddles, but, yeah, there, there, Iowa used to be uh, used to have this fair share of um, wetlands. The um, backcountry hunters and anglers have been trying to work with the state of Iowa to bring moisture back to the land. Over the last fifty years, we've done it, the Iowans have done everything in their power to pull the moisture off. Now there's now we're we're dealing with repercussions of the lack of water for um, erosion and not keeping our crops as, as, as fed as they want. Cause we've damned everything up. We've tried to control nature and eventually it's all going to go the wrong direction. And so, yeah. and uh, it's, it's very interesting. If you look up um, uh, Hal Harrigan, his podcast, if you look at some of the, you just kind of do a keyword search of Iowa. There's a couple of them in there where he talks about Iowa and their watershed problem that they had, that they've, that they've done so good at removing all the moisture from the land. Now we got to put it back into the land. Yeah, it's with the drainage ditches and the tiling through the fields. That's it just runs right Correct. off and uh, it it is pretty crazy to think about how different it is, but I mean, it is for a a, a greater purpose, I guess, and uh, people don't people don't think about how much corn is grown in Iowa. I guess people do, but we are we are like number one in the world and it's just pretty cool to be in there mm-hmm. and yeah my family actually farms so 
I've I've grown up with uh, my dad has taught me a lot of things and I don't know it's it's been a it's been something else just learning about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my uh, my my dad grew up on a farm. He had over two hundred acres tillable land. Then his dad was a a sheep shearer in the area. He'd go around life like that, and he also worked with the Amish and such up in northern Iowa. Um, I have some friends down in uh, Watshire. They have over two hundred acres down there, still being tilled to this day. It's no longer a family farm, but it's like they let they they uh, they lease out the land to have it still um, to have it still planted and cultivated and stuff with beans and soybeans and corn. But the biggest thing is like you're dealing with the bear Monsanto, they own a lot of the land up. They own a lot of big factory farms. Uh, right now, we're going through this big tra- traumatic tra- changes right now because big, um, big food like um, Cargill and Tyson, they're going after the family farm. They're just basically destroying them by through bankruptcy by inflating everything to the point where they're not going to be able to afford it. And then, especially last year when uh, Bill Gates came through and bought up two hundred and forty nine thousand acres oh, between yeah, like was- seven states. So yeah, and he and it's like so he bought places here in Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, um, Nebraska. Now the biggest thing is you got to pay attention to where he bought that land at. All of them had natural spring water, and and uh, it, 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 we can go into we can put some tinfoil hats on, but there's some evil at play. Yeah, or I, or what they like to call conspiracy theorists now. Um, spoiler alerts. Yeah, uh, I really hope that. Uh really rich people don't come around and keep buying ground like that because that is i don't i don't really like that it just it just they could they could buy a lot of stuff and i just i don't want them to start buying like i i guess i just don't want that to happen i don't want to take over and have their own little colony or something that is uh, what we're trying. Uh, that's why the, um, Theodore Roosevelt did what he did to create the public land. So the national parks is because he wanted to avoid us becoming Europe. The worst part is we are becoming Europe. Iowa is bounces back and forth between 49 and 50 when it comes down to public land access. There's not a lot of opportunities, but then the, what runs into an issue with having access to land is insurance because just because like Levi, you give me permission to hunt in your land. And let's say I happen to get injured. I'm not going to sue you because you gave me property to hunt in Iowa. <laughs> any, any hunter out there listed, they don't want to lose that, but it's your insurance company. That's the ones that come after the farm. Because you have the money. It's like, oh, oh, you broke your knee. You broke your foot on this land. Oh, I'm going to come after them to pay for your hospital bill type scenario. Okay. I, uh, one of my guests, um, Brett Schmidt out of Winona, he's an insurance agent. And that's one of the things that's running into a big issue with these days of, of her allowing access for people to come on lands because of insurance. Because it, it, it's so frustrating that we that insurance has now taken over our day to life. They get, they're involved in our health, our auto, our home everything like that. It's like insurance is one of the biggest scams out there, but it's something we can't deal with. Like uh, for an example, I have a friend of mine, her daughter uh, is fighting with the insurance company because the treatment that is working, the insurance companies want to pay for it, but they found another, another treatment does the same thing, but doesn't, it's not the same chemical compound mixture. So it's, it's, it's a very, um, very dirty business because it's all about the bottom line and people are, are dollar signs, not valuable. They're just dollar signs. They're just decimals. In a spreadsheet, that's all they are—just number zeros and ones. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I can just tell that uh, with your age, you have a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge, and uh, I, I could just tell from talking to you. And I haven't learned a whole lot of things, but um, I, I hope that I do learn a lot of stuff because it sounds like you know what you're talking about with some stuff, and I hope that people keep listening to you. 
It, it is, it is um, an ongoing thing because everything comes in layers, but you have to take yourself and bring yourself up to a 30,000 view overview of everything. I mean, you're literally paying attention what happens in Florida and also what's going on, on in Washington and Maine all the way down to uh, California, Arizona, because there's so many different layers of stuff that go interact with each other. And the, the biggest thing is there's only four or five groups that control everything. Once you know who controls everything, you just follow the money. It's 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 like they say, root of root of all evils, money, and it's like it, it really kind of it, it trickles up in a sense because it's all being controlled and such, and it goes deep into the family uh, archives of good going back to the pharaohs and stuff. Because like, there's a lot of old money that resides in Italy that goes back thousands of years that kind of dictate and control stuff. So, yeah. but it's it's learning all the information and unlearning what school teaches you because schools has a narrative they need to push because their goal is to create employees, not free thinkers. Kind of like what George Collin was. His whole thing was to, is his biggest advice to give anybody his biggest sentiment is question everything because everything has a, is history is only told by the winners, but what is the story? What is the story that the winners are hiding up to how they achieve that victory? Yeah. that That's what you got to understand. That is true. And when you said, money is the root of like all evil i thought of when uh, judas betrayed jesus for 30 silver coins and once he realized what he had done he threw those coins back in the temple and he was like take this money it's it's guilt it's blood money i i I have nothing to do with it but here's one thing i read uh just this morning and it was so the soldiers that watched jesus uh that witnessed him come out of the tomb and the angels the ones that died, well, they died, but there were some that ran off and they came into the city and the, the elders and the chief priests told them to go tell the people that, uh, sorry, one second. So they told the people to say that the disciples came and took Jesus' body and it says, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. So because of that money, they Jews to this very day think that Jesus has not come because he has not risen from the dead. So that is why Jews think that the Christ has not come yet is because of that right there. And it's because of money. So that's just something relating to that. And that, and that right there will can go into a deep dive into theology that you you can get lost in because the way the, the Judaism and Christianity have fought over the centuries about who's right and who's wrong. And it's like the biggest thing is all going to come down to how we work together to stop the real evil. It's like kind of like how we've seen with this uptick in child trafficking and stuff like that, you know, like really tr- trickling down the evil. Because like we have Gisling Maxwell. She was head of the one of the most sophisticated sex trafficking rings out there, but there's so much money and so many influential people, people that are tied to her and Jeffrey Epstein goes into the parliament and goes into the Royal family. So it's like, it, it's, it stretches all of it. And plus on top of the two, the popacy um, has had relations with child sex trafficking for centuries. Now it's just like, we, as the people got to look at the leadership structure and like, well, the problem's here. We, the people, are our own heroes. We got to rise up to take that down, that patriarchy. Now, what will replace it? You know, who knows? Yeah. Uh-huh. There's there's a lot of stuff going on, but in reality, God is in control, and and he has a plan for everything. Uh, so do exactly. you have anything? That's why we... 
well, I was just going to say with that closing thought, with that being with that sentiment right there, is that the right people are knowing what's going on and they're they're organizing and things are going to change. It's going to take a while, but things are going to change. Unfortunately, which will which change the good thing because God's put his uh, the toughest is given the his soldiers the toughest battles that are that have not been fought yet. Yeah. Yep. There's definitely uh, very strong leaders and. And I hope that they do take control and clean up the swamp. So, yeah. Amen to that, sir. Yeah. Thank you, Levi, for coming. I wish we could. Wish we had a little more time to chit chat, but this has been a lot of fun. This is completely different what I'm used to experiencing, but uh, this was very enlightening. It's it's nice to see that uh, you're doing very very well in your studies, and you 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 maintain that discipline of of that work-life balance and maintaining your, your, your strive to live to the Bible as best you can. Yeah. It was great talking with you. Uh, if you ever want to do it again, I'm for sure down because I feel like we could have multiple episodes of anything. Oh yes. We could have some really good conversation. Cause I have some really good friends that have, a, we're, ver- we're all very like-minded, but we're all open-minded because we all want to, we all want to hear everybody's decisions and how to resolve a situation where we don't want one, one idea to overtake everything else because they're going to see something that I'm not going to see. They're going to see, you know, I'm going to see something you're not going to see, but between all of us working together to try to create some type of a balance, you know, yep. we could, we could see a, a really good structure coming out and I just hope we're not going to, we don't get sense. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I think Joe Rogan is going to be our George Carlin of the day. Cause if you really want to look into some of the pioneer, the first amendment, look into George Carlin from the fifties and sixties and stuff like that. So I mean, I mean, I mean, I like the, what is that, that that's going on with Joe Rogan right now? I saw something about him being canceled or something. Well, right now he's, 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 um, messing up the narrative. People are starting to wake up. It's kind of like the matrix. Everybody's starting to take the red pill. They're starting to recognize that, uh, Fauci is an evil person. And uh, that he's, he's, he, this whole um, experiment that they've done is because the, the greed that they want to achieve with Monsanto, with um, Pfizer, with uh, Johnson, Johnson, Moderna, they all want money. It all comes down to that evil of money. And we, they, what we've done is they opened us up to this massive uh, experiment to humans and we're all waking up from it. Like people don't know what's going on in, in Canada right now. There's a 40 mile long parade of people tired of the lockdowns because of the mandate. There's people over, and I don't know if you heard this, but last week, the prime minister removed all restrictions because people are starting to see that the Nazis never left. They just rebranded themselves as the Democratic Party. So um, General Flynn said it the best. You have conservatives and you have uh, libertarians and you have people that want to fight for the side of good and you have communists. Not Democrat, Republicans, Libertarians, Green Party. No, it's, that's, that's the two. That's the two, that's the two tribes we're in right now, but it's like, you can't force the brainwash to wake up. They need to go through their own spiritual awakening. And in, in the great words of um, Graham Hancock is they all need to have a, a heroic dose of ayahuasca. What is that? Ayahuasca is a natural herb found in the Peruvian jungle. And then with the, with the mixed with the tea, what it does is it opens up your pineal gland, your third, your third eye. Like if you notice, there's a lot of um, symbolism when it comes down to peyote, uh, shroom, psilocybin, stuff like these are all natural things that God gave us to work with. I mean, remember these, these are, these are not pharmaceuticals. These are stuff that, that have given out there, but these are for folks that allow them to open up their minds from being closed off. It's like, it's kind of like why you like people say there's aliens, stuff like that. You wonder why they don't come down here because we're so 
dangerous. We're so aggressive that if they were to come down here to give us advice, it would turn into an all-out war. Or vice versa, you know, it's, 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 it, there's some different odds about it, but it, what it does, it, it literally opens up your mind and help and bring, it breaks off the brain fog and it, and it allows you to see through the, the, the evil that's going on. The apocalypse is here. The great awakening is here. It's just waking everybody else up to pay attention to the, the violation of the Nuremberg code of 1948, going back and redoing the modification of the Smith Mund act of 1948, going through and getting rid of the Supreme court. Because if you, if you really look at the real historians that pay attention to how corrupt the Supreme court justices are, they, you'd want to get rid of that. It's just, there's a lot of things that we need to wake people up with. It's just, we ha- we're fighting against pharmaceutical company. Uh, what is it? Pharmacy? A pharma- it's it's uh, to cast spirits or cast um, spells. Like there's a, there's a there's a depiction of it being related to the cult, like pharmacia. Pharma- I, I can't. I've only seen images of it, but if you look look into and look at the true definition of pharmacy, it's not good. That was a lot of that was a lot of thoughts information. Yeah. That was a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, that's. If you, if you knew what I knew, it's like everything would make sense. But it's like it's like I gave you a a, a lot of information in a very short amount of, amount of time. And this stuff right here is all stuff that I've I've, I've encountered over the years of deep diving into the uh, into the occult, essentially, because it's basically good good versus evil. So the occult is running things, especially like Hollywood and stuff. Like especially if you know what Holly and Wood means and and to cast a spell and all that fun stuff, it's very interesting stuff. It's all c- relates down to paganism and evil and the devil, and it's it's amazing how much and like you're too young to know what satanic panic is, but if you look into that, it's exact. It's back in the day they were able to hide it, but nowadays we have too much information. You can't really hide it, but they're trying to do their best. Wow. Okay, well this is this seems like a topic for another day. We can do this, but I'm I'm hundred percent down to continue this sometime. <sighs> Oh yeah, let me know. Uh, um, we'll 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 chat offline then. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, if you're still listening, thank you for listening. And uh, if you're listening on his side of things, come check out my podcast. Uh, I really just try to help you get closer with God and build that relationship with Him, and experience Him. And yeah, that's all. Likewise, and I want to post all this information in the show notes regarding his podcast. So you can go check it out and listen to his daily sermons. Thank you, Levi, for coming on the podcast. Thank you. You're welcome, sir.